welcome back. It's week 83 on Out on That Line. I'm Jeff with my co-host Alex, as always. Alex, how are you doing this week, buddy? Like a tree in the wind, Jeff. I'm just happy to be included. I'm back where it all began. I'm back recording where we started this podcast. Right in the extra office of your dad's building, correct? Top of the pandemic, top of the pops, baby. That was us. Just recording and look what we've made for ourselves. It's a beautiful thing. Almost two years ago now. It's crazy to think about that. Yeah. I think the idea was incepted in like August of 2020. It's now June of 2022. We're coming right up on it. And sitting right here, it just takes me right back immediately. I'm like, (laughs) I remember when the podcast used to be like verging on three hours. Oh my God. Those first few we did, the the first album, the first one was what? Casey Musgraves and Margot Price. Was that our first Correct. one? The Ladies yep. of Country. Mm-hmm. Um, hold on. I'm going to just, I'm going to scroll back. Oh, it already was there. Uh, yeah. One hour and 38 minutes or one hour and 40 minutes on that one. Sorry. Um, let's see. Tyler Childers and Caroline Rose. I don't know if you remember that one. Mm-hmm. And then we had... Episode three was Thundercat in the 1975. Ooh, that 1975 album, still bad. Dog do. Yeah, that was back when we do two full albums and we went through the entire albums. And we did not edit anything out. It, no. dude, I think the Run the Jewels, uh, Leanne Le Havis one might be the longest one. I think it's like two hours. Uh, yes, it's at least two hours. <sighs> I mean, the Coheed yeah. one you and Tanner did was also two hours. Bad Out of Hell was an hour and a half. Well, there's, you know. But those are special editions. Yeah, there's that Coheed's a little something special. And I I had heard that you have something related to Coheed. You are the one bringing something Coheed related to the podcast. Well, multiple sources in my orbit have been telling me that shit's gone tits up with the shipping for the box set. They're not all coming on time. Some have started to come out. Some haven't even shipped yet. Like some are earmarked to make the actual date. Like what's what's going on? I feel like this album has a weird little cloud that's been floating over it for a while. Are you yes. scared? I'm not. I'm not worried about it. Um, I think it, because I like I've dealt with this with Coheed before, um, especially with Vaxis, the previous album to this one. Um, they like having everything available all at once. For the fans. So they don't want, you know, and we talked about this before, but they don't want the digital copy of the album coming out before folks have really had a chance to get their hands on the the physical copies, you know, the vinyl, the CDs, whatever it is. Um, so they have two, they have their like special edition vinyl that they're coming out with. It's got, you know, collector edition, like different color vinyls and stuff like that. So they've got all those coming out. That's supposed to be out Friday. I think mine's scheduled for Saturday. It's fine. I do, I'm not worked up about it being like a few days late. I've waited this long for it already. Don't care. Um, there's also a box set that comes with like a little commemorative speaker type thing that's like has to do with the Vaxis storyline um, as well as like the hardcover Vaxis book. So while we deal with like other artists have had album delays, like, you know, the most famous one I can think of top of my head is like Guns N' Roses, Chinese Democracy. Like that album was rumored for years and years and years before it actually ever came out. Um, With Coheed, it's a little different because they have the graphic novels that go along with everything. So whether it's the Amory Wars storyline, 
um, or it's this new Vaxxus storyline. There's like other content that has to come out with this stuff. Um, and Claudio just did an interview where he says the music is the most important thing. Like that's what we want people to hear. And that's what we want to be bringing people in. But there is the other component of it where the people that spend the most money on the bean, he didn't say it like people that spend the most money on the <laughs> you band, didn't give but, up the ghost. Yeah. But he's, you know, basically said, you know, the most dedicated fans are the ones that are going to be reading the graphic novels and purchasing the extra box sets and the special edition stuff and action figures and all that kind of stuff. Um, so in his mind, and I agree with this is like, make sure everything just comes out for everybody all at once. It might be like a frustration with the delay in shipping, but it's also like how much stuff have you gotten on time in the last two years? Like people are acting like this is a new thing that we're dealing with. Um, and in my line of work selling furniture, like we've been dealing with shipping issues for two, for as long as I've done it now, almost two years. Um, and it's just like why people are picking this to get that upset about. And I realize cause you've been waiting, but I'll tell you in the Coheed fan base, there's a lot of neck beards, my friend, mm. surprise, surprise. Right. Um, there's a lot of people that are like, well, they should take care of their fans. We're more important than anything else. So they should take care of their fans and make sure that we get our stuff on time. Cause we paid for it. And it's like, yeah, you paid for it and you're going to get it. Like a little patience isn't going to kill you. Like not being able to post on the Coheed groups on Facebook and Instagram and wherever, um, not being able to post on those groups that you got your box set in before everybody. I'm sorry that you missed out on that. Maybe Vaxus three, you'll have the chance to like brag about that. Cause that's all you really care about. Just relax. The album and the box set will get there and you can enjoy them this weekend or next week. What the fuck ever the album comes out digitally Friday. Like how bad do you need the vinyl? Who cares? Who cares? So there's a neckbeardy element within what do they what do they call you guys? The children of the ashes. Children of the something? fence. Children of the fence. There's yes. a neckbeardy element to the children of the fence. It's yeah. Sad to so hear. that's well, that's one faction of the fan base. That's like probably the most popular one. There's also another f- fan group called Cobalt and Calcium because it's like Coheed and Cambria. It's the same. Co and Ka is like C O and C A is like the shorthand. So that's why they name it that. Um, they tend to be a little bit less neckbeardy, I think, but I like getting in the mix. You know, I like, I like where things are taken a little more seriously. So I do the children of the fence group and I see a lot of people pissed just like they were pissed when dance Gavin dance came off the tour. And it's like, listen, you're not going to always get everything you want. You've got a coheed tour. You've got a coheed album. You've got a coheed graphic novel coming out. What the fuck are you complaining about? I just don't get it. Should we move on? Was there anything else? Any other bits of news? Because we have an album that I think there's a little excitement around this one, especially in my household. Yeah, interesting. Why don't you uh, Why don't you tell people what's what the meaning of all this is? So, fiance of the pod Marla is a big fan of the band Foles and has been for years. Um, little British band. You may have heard of them. They've got a couple of hits, like a couple of songs that played like heavy on alternative radio. Um, they've got one of them that I thought was a Imagine Dragon song for a while. I'm not going to lie to you. When she played it for me, I was like, oh, this is Foles. Um, it's the same thing with Arctic Monkeys. And do I want, or do you, do I want to know? Is that the, the song? Do you want to know? Remember. I don't know. Do you want to know? Yeah. I thought I it was know. the Black Keys for the longest time. Cause I only mm. heard it on the radio and I didn't like bother to look it up. Um, so same deal, you know, just mistaking one band for another. I did that with Foles, but 
after that, I did listen to a bit more and I, I've in, always enjoyed Foles. Like what I've heard, I've always thought they were pretty good. So they came out with a new album called Life Is Yours. And this just came out, um, what, Friday? Last Friday, we're recording here on Wednesday. So it's been out for about five days or so, six mm-hmm. days maybe. Um, and we're going to talk about this new one. Um, I think Foles is... I don't know if they're like primed to break out or if they've just settled into a nice little niche, Um, but it's a well-made album. You know, there's a lot of good things I think we're going to talk about on this one. And I think just overall had a fucking lot more fun with this one than I did with Arcade Fire. I'll tell you what, buddy. Yeah, shoot. You ain't just shucking corn over there. It's, uh, It's the truth. And that's the thing that's so cool. You say it's a fun album. That's exactly what it is. That's the whole thesis of the entire project because I did a little sleuthing and Mm -hmm. I went back and I listened to two songs from farther back in their catalog. I've got my number from 2013 and mountain at my gates from 2015. If I close my eyes, my number sounds like a group love song. And to your point, if I close my eyes, mountain at my gates absolutely could pass for imagine dragons. Mm hmm. Uh, which is not a good thing in my book. So I went back and I was like, <laughs> I went back because this article I was reading was like, wow, they've really like progressed and changed and taken interesting directions as a band. So I went through and and listened to a bunch of different stuff, went so far back as 2010 to listen to a recommendation from Fiance of the Pod, Marla, Spanish mm-hmm. Sahara, which she accurately describes as like a very good kind of sad isolation song. You throw on headphones you go listen to it and you vibe out. And that is exactly what I did. And she was absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just wild to track their evolution because they went from like math rock to dance punk to alt rock to indie rock to disco on this album. And it's it's kind of a wild thing to track. And their story about like how they had to get creative with this record just resulted in something that was really, really fun. Yes, and I I think this is, and there's so many like British bands that I think play very similar music to this that I just mm. really really like a lot. Um, Block Party is one of them. We should probably do a Block Party album at some point. If have we done a Block Party album? I can't remember. No. Um, but like, there's several other bands. Like, there's another song that just and I can't remember what the name of it is. And Marlo's gonna kill me. Um, but it's by Minus the Bear, and like the chorus is like, I've got your nights, I've got your days. Like it's, it's a very, very cool song. And I felt like that was part of the thing with this Foles album too, is it just like felt very cool. Like I felt like this was, I don't know, like a lot of skill with putting together this music, but the way the lyrics were sung, the way the lyrics were, it just felt like, I don't know, it was taking a walk through like a really, like a really cool place. And just like kind of strutting and enjoying myself was the feeling that I got from this album. And I love it when an album can kind of put me in a place like that rather than me actively knowing like, oh, I got to listen to this album. And okay, let me get to the next song and see what I think about this next one. When I'm able to like take it in as a whole experience and then have to go back and figure out which songs that I liked because I didn't even bother to look as I was listening through the first time. That's kind of my mark of the albums that I'm going to enjoy talking about the most on the show. And that's exactly what happened with this one is I got through the whole thing and then I was like well shit I have to go listen to this thing all over again because now I have to figure out which song is which and which ones I'm going to start to narrow down and and pick for the show here Um, and I just really I don't know there's not a lot of albums that we've done lately that have done that for me and this is this is certainly one of them 
it's yeah in a world where we've been doing like Kendrick Lamar and and Harry Styles and stuff like that it's really cool to take a step back into something like this Foles album because I do not mean this as a slam this is a compliment because this is what the album set out to do this album is easy it's mm-hmm. so easy at no point does the band go like we're really going to deal with some heady themes because what it is, again, from what I've put together with the help of the good old internet, is their last album was like this big slog of a double album. It was, um, what is it called? Everything Not Saved Will Be Lost, one and two. And I skimmed through some of the songs, and it reminded me of that bad Arcade Fire album we did. Mm-hmm. It was just a flat mess. And it was all ruminating on, like, it was very kind of proggy, but bad prog, and like ruminating on the end times. Um, and then their band dwindled in numbers. They, they were a five top that went down to a trio. The keys player and the bass player pieced. So now they're a three top and they made this kind of giant mess. It was all doom and gloom. And then they go into lockdown. And after repression, pleasure bursts. And mm-hmm. that is what the album is. It's a post-lockdown release. It's a soundtrack to like getting out and getting back to your life. Freedom of living in the moment. Uh, stepping outside of yourself and just like enjoying the ride. And that's what this is designed to be. It's it's a fucking disco album, man. Mm-hmm. Disco was all about feeling good. Oh, did I mention Frank Zappa made a disco song? I don't know if it was as good as any of this, though. Uh, it certainly wasn't because he looked down on <laughs> disco and he did it as a goof and it won a Grammy Award for Best Disco Song. So there you go. Well, that's like Jethro Tull winning Best Metal Album. So, I mean. Yeah. Holy fuck, that's wild. We got to talk yeah. about that again someday. Grammy's, yeah, Grammy's swinging a miss. Yeah. Every time. Well, why don't we talk about the first song that we chose for the for the album here is Wake Me Up, and it was one of your picks. So when I mention other songs or other artists, this it's not me calling these guys derivative. I think it's a very specific thing. And this one has Uptown Funk written all over it, especially on the drums. And what it is is like a big announcement of the paradigm shift in their sound. Even being someone that like listens to them for the first time, but knows that that's what they set out to do, which is just like, fuck it. There's three of us now taking it a completely different direction. So like having the backstory and then like listening to some of the old stuff and then hearing this, it is pretty wild. We always talk about people who can step up and adapt seamlessly and people who can't and how some people stray from the formula when they shouldn't and how many people keep to it when they've it's really outlived its usefulness it's really cool to see a band nail it and sail through those goalposts and and make something that's totally new for them that sounds great it's a fucking great disco song yes and i think that was the most important thing with this album is it started out hot yeah it stayed that way and as you went through i mean it had the ups and downs, but for the most part, it was all very upbeat, you know, all the, you know, and and I think the, the lyrics, like at least the vocals, I should say the vocals really took a backseat in the mix on this one on a lot of songs. The focus was the music making you feel a certain way and the vocals being there just to support that. It wasn't about the vocals, like taking you by the hand and leading you through different emotions. I feel like it was all meant to be, experience the same way you experience like an art exhibit you know it's like you're supposed to kind of step back take the whole thing in and if you do that you can focus on little things and like there's a lot of great musicianship throughout 
this song in particular and, and throughout the whole album. And you can focus on that stuff if you want, but if you step back and take it all in, you know, and listen to the whole thing in, in the mix and how they put everything together, it's very dynamic. It provides a lot of emotion just in the music itself. And then when they layer the vocals on the way that they do, it just seems to fit. Like everything is in its right place. And while that may make it sound like it's boring or formulaic, it's not. It's very exciting the way that everything fit together. It's like a new invention almost, I think. Um, it just like gave me that feeling that, you know, there's still, I guess, some new ground to explore in indie music. Well, and it's funny that you talk about it as a machine because I'm skipping way ahead to another song, but there's this line in it that I love, big ambient new machine. And that to me, I think nails what they're doing on this album. It It is kind of technically, like the vocals are ambient in the context of the song. They're not upfront being like, we're gonna really showcase our vocalist. It's it's all part of the whole, and that's one thing this album does really well. The songs integrate seamlessly with one another. Everybody's individual parts within those songs integrate seamlessly. It's like mm-hmm. really well built, built from the inside out, but it's also just like, I'll just like to have fun. It's just supposed to be a, a fun album. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then we get to your first pick, 2 a.m., is where like that really kind of crystallized for me. Yes, and I th- I feel like thematically this was probably the most the easiest one to figure out exactly what they were talking about on the first listen. I mean the the title alone like you didn't need to know the title to like the first lyric it's two a.m. and I've gone and lost my friends like you know which way this song is gonna go. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I understand, these guys like to party, um, and so they're gonna have some songs that go along with that. But they are, you know, they've been doing it a long time. So like these are not young 22, 23 year olds partying anymore. These are people that have been around the block a few times. So it's instead of like, oh my god, it's two a.m. but everything's okay. It's just like, oh, here we go again. It's two a.m. and I lost my friends. But there's there's not a um, there's no amount of like pessimism to it. It's just like, yep, here we are again. And, uh, you know, we'll go through this one just like we've gone through all the other ones, but the way that everything sounds just is played so upbeat and so quick. It's just fun to listen to no matter what the lyrics are and like, thank and, and it would be fine if they were nonsense. Cause the music I think is good enough for that not to matter that much. Um, but it's, great that they're like easy enough to understand there's nothing deep or super meaningful in any of it but it's like okay they're telling a little story giving you setting the scene and then just putting behind it some kick-ass fucking beats it's so this one is so weird it's like gorillas meets future islands Mm -hmm. like it's got that kind of like tropical weirdo i'm kind of drunk off absinthe future islands thing and then it's got like the baseline in this is feel good ink. Um, and it it's, I, again, I think that's like a really clever thing is like throwing you a little treat that you might recognize. I'm not saying they specifically were like, we'll make this sound like gorillas, but by sheer happenstance, it provides you with a hook, whether or not you meant to do it. Like I look at Lizzo and that awful new girls song samples, <laughs> uh, beastie boys, girls. And it's just like, background dressing there was no intention behind using it but like something like the the baseline on 2 a.m unintentionally gives you that little thing to hang on to and then just like builds this really fun really kind of fucking weird song around it 
Yeah, this was, you know what it, like kind of this whole album, and especially as we get towards the end, you remember those songs that I sent you by that band Thumposaurus? Yeah. Like it gives me that where the lyrics just don't matter at all. You know, they're, they're just, they're one of their songs is called I'm pissed this Thumposaurus, but the, the way that they just like throw down that funk and just throw down that beat. It's the same feeling I get from Foles where I'm like, thankfully the lyrics do make sense, but they don't need to because all of this like musically is so, so good that it could be instrumental and I think I'd still be fine with it. Yeah, there is a lot of this that, again, no disrespect to uh, the guy's name is Giannis, no disrespect to him, but pulling him out of the mix as a vocalist, like this would still be amazing jam stuff like i love krungbin and a mm-hmm. lot of krungbin is instrumental like they yeah. they did more vocal stuff on mordecai than i think i'd heard previously but like uh herbie hancock i grooved to stuff without lyrics a lot of people mm-hmm. are like well if there's no fucking lyrics how do you know what it's about it's like you ride the wave of mm-hmm. the emotional intent in the music you're hearing you fucking lepton <laughs> try some drugs bro yeah come on man. <laughs> um yeah, I don't know. And again, like you talk about getting lost in a vibe. And 2001, my next pick was one of those because, again, the guitar sound and the strum pattern on it, I got juice vibes from Lizzo, and I fucking love that song. Mm-hmm. And it's it's wrapped inside of a terribly British disco. And it's just, it's like S Club 7, early to mid-2000s kind of stuff where we've busted out a lockdown. Hulkamania is running wild on your town. <laughs> oh, it's pure release. And it's, it's all these images of like finally getting to go on your yearly seaside vacation, this little town. And there's all these little like peppermint stick candies and you get a blue tongue. So like you talked about painting an image and that's what songs like 2001 do. They, they paint a scene for you. Like it's a fucking play. And it's just like, is it the pinnacle of songcraft? Hardly. But it's designed to be like soundtrack music that's an expression mm-hmm. of pure joy. Yep. And they get a little a little name drop. Well, not a name drop, more of I guess a shout out, Brighton Rock. I mean, just a little just a little taste for the folks that are that lean towards the their rock like their rock a little more on the classical side. They give you a little tidbit there when they say Brighton Rock. Um, but it's like it's like the the exactly what you're saying though with painting a picture is that you know the lines no need for novocaine blue tongues in summer rain you know it's like you're in a beach town maybe you just had a popsicle you got a blue tongue like it's just the way that they say exactly what's going on without saying oh they ate a popsicle and it turned their tongue blue you know they just like form the words and I feel like you could go back to tons of episodes probably dozens of our episodes where I've said the difference between a good songwriter and a great one is knowing how to say that kind of stuff mm. instead of saying like, Oh, I ate a popsicle and to turn my tongue blue. It's blue tongues in summer rain. You know, it's like saying it like that, you know what they mean without them having to be obvious and hit you over the head with it. And that's what I think it's maybe I didn't give the lyrics enough credit at first because the music was so good, but I think they're just very subtle in how great they are. You know, I think they they fit in exactly where they need to. And I think the understanding of knowing, you know, what sort of lyrics are going to work with a particular song and not being too overbearing with them is going to be, you know, what what defines this as maybe great songwriting. 
know, maybe you wouldn't notice it before, but when you get through this whole album, having as great a time as I did for the few times that I listened to it, you know, it's like, that's pretty good if they can do that. Cause there's a lot of albums that I listen to like once or twice or as few times as possible to like get ready for the show. And this one, I had no problem just cranking it as much as I needed to. And this one, this album was weightless by design. You know, it was, I, I don't think it, anybody went into it to give any like particularly strong impression of like, this is my perspective on masks or anything like that. It was just, we're, we're busting out. This is by design, not something to make you think it's something to just be with. So again, weightless by design. And I, I appreciate the way that they can engage all of the senses through just sound. So I, I'm not trying to shit on the lyrics, but like, I don't think it's necessarily terribly great songwriting from a lyrical perspective, but I also don't think they were assing off and not trying. I think Mm -hmm. they just went the simple, like Occam's lyric, the simplest, prettiest thing, like thought went into it, but they didn't overthink it. They didn't put a hat on a hat. So blue tongues, that's an image. It's straightforward, but it's not like two on the nose. Mm -hmm. They're very talented at that. And it's perfect for the concept of this album. Yeah, And that's when, that's where I was like, where, where do you draw the line on, you know, it's like the lyrics are good, but because they fit in so seamlessly with the music and allow you to focus more on the song as a whole, like maybe that's what makes them great. You know, it's like, that's an interesting way, you know, kind of how, at what level, you know, does it become great versus just serves its purpose? So I think it's an interesting debate on this one on, on kind of how, how in-depth lyrics need to get before you give them credit as like great, thoughtful lyrics sure yeah that's an interesting question what's the threshold yeah um we can move on to the crest of the wave yes gonna be another one of your picks was mine crest of the wave i think i think think i'm wrong i think mine is crest of the wave yeah give me credit yeah that's what i that's what i get for not keeping that text up so i can see which one is which (laughs) Um, and that's also the problem when I like, I feel like I only do that on albums that I like because I'm like, Oh, I'd pick every one of these songs. Exactly. So it doesn't, it doesn't ever like define it. Like it doesn't jump out at me, which one is mine. Um, but the reason I like this one is because I think of all the lyrics on the album, this is probably the one that's, I would consider the best, even Mm -hmm. though it might make the least sense. Um, it just seems like there was a lot more stream of consciousness um like ride the waves dark gray it's tropic dark days it's tropic gray there's much to say it's eight beaufort we swim to shore then order more head back to yours like very like you can follow the story but it's very stream of consciousness like little blip here little blip there it's just like dots on a timeline rather than telling a story um and i think it's i don't know the way that it's told it's definitely a little bit more of a come down for me lyrically than the rest of the album. And I think musically as well, I think it's, it's like a nice little break in the middle of the album. Cause it, it definitely goes pretty hard at the beginning and at the end. Um, and I like that this one is like much more of a, I guess idyllic. Like I, I want to say tropical. I don't know if it's supposed to be tropical, but I guess, yeah, stuck on St. Lucia, I guess the whole thing is supposed to give you that sort of tropical feeling. Um, and, and again, I don't, I don't know, I guess there's just so good at matching the music with the lyrics, making it all mesh that like 
you don't have to focus on anything other than where the story puts you. Yeah. And I think, uh, you triggered something like crest of the wave, not to get too hippy dippy with it, but that's kind of in reference to the the shape of the album and, and mm-hmm. this song's placement in it, where it's like, we build, we build, we build, this is like the peak. And then we're going to like, it's the peak and the start of the come down all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously like the forces of gravity are going to drag it down towards the end. Um, so it's an interesting way to think about it. And it's like definitely overthinking it, but that's the thing is it's not like, ah, so you got our specific meaning. They just, this song is a, a visual landscape. Like I literally, to read my notes, nice wobbly synth. You get a lot of sherbet, orange, pink, purple tones, tropical sunset, just the right amount of sun that day, sand everywhere, salt in your hair, scent of tanning oil, smoke a joint, drink something fruity and tropical. This song is structurally unexciting, unchallenging, but that is its greatest trick. Mm-hmm. It pulls you into this place. It engages your other senses with pure sound. It doesn't need to be a banger slash thinker slash masterpiece. It succeeds completely in its mission of painting a portrait. Those are my notes. That was beautiful. Thank you. I usually yeah. don't read them verbatim, but that's kind of like the stream of consciousness picture yeah. that I put together listening to this. It, it very much like, I, I don't know if you remember the... Um, like the old like Ferrari posters where it's like a old like eighties or nineties Ferrari just like parked, but it's this like really bright orange sunrise or sunset right behind it. Just like very like gave you California maybe some palm tree silhouettes or something like that. Can you get mm. catch can you catch the vibe that I'm putting out I there? I see what you're putting down. Yeah. So that this song was one of those posters for me. And it's just like the way that your notes were, it's like I went very visual with what I thought it was and you were able to put it down into words. But I think we both ended up in the same place. Like the way that the song was structured, the instruments they used and the way they played them gave you that sense that you're like in this little cabana watching the last of your vacation, like dip down past the sun, past the horizon. Yep. It's it's crazy. And we've all had that moment wherever we've been Maine St. Lucia wherever on the lake where it's the time of year the position of the sun in the sky everything's setting like we know that specific time where like it can be a blazing golden red or it can be this kind of tropical pastel-y pink and purple orange Mm -hmm. kind of stuff like we've we've all seen it all we've seen beautiful skies and that's the strongest trick that this song has is to just like surrender completely to the concept of presenting an image rather than necessarily trying to make, as we love to say, Dylan's Masters of War. Mm -hmm. That's been a while since we, since we brought up Bob Dylan on this one. That or hat on a hat, like a lot of the good bits are coming out of the bag tonight. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we got to, we're leading up to episode 100. It's true. We got 17 more. That's going to be, yeah, by the end of the year. Um, yeah, so we got to start making sure that we remind people what the bits are so that when we come out with that episode 100, the centennial episode, that they'll be ready for all of them. Going to be dropping yep. like hammers. Strap in. Yes. Um, Strap. Now we move on to perhaps my favorite song on the album, The Sound. And one, because I loved The Sound on this one. It just seemed like exactly, you know, what I mentioned before is this album was what I wished 
the Arcade Fire album was going to be. And this song is what I wished every song on that Arcade Fire album was going to be. Because when I listen to this, this swells up like any great indie rock song that you want it to, but it has those synths as well. So it's almost like a dance song. The way that they straddle the line between like indie rock, it it almost seems like they're a cross between like Arctic Monkeys and LCD Sound System is kind of like Foles for me, like falls right in between those where it's like they always have a dance beat going. Like it's always danceable music, but then they can also get a little heavy as well. And I love the sound and the way that it, you know, not that it's heavy, but the way that it's like, again, paints that picture the same way that Crest of the Wave does. And it just like puts you right in that spot. The way this album ends, like the last few songs in this album, it is like a strong, strong close. Yeah. I, I, and this was a great song. Like you talk about any one of them, any one of these contestants could have won, but only one can take home the crown. Um, any one of these songs could have been a pick. And to me, the sound was uh, was definitely one of those because it's got that kind of throwback club banger dance electronic European kind of pace to it. It's like a classic club song. And at first I was trying to look at that line, big ambient new machine. And I'm like, okay, I don't really necessarily even get an image. I see like a fax machine for some reason. Like <laughs> this is, this is a weird kind of clunky image. And then I realized, oh, you're going all about it the wrong way. They're not trying to create an image. They are talking about literally the sound, the change in their sound, what they're doing on this album in this moment. The sound is a big ambient new machine. They're making ambient music. Ambient is a great signifier for this album. It's not a, a backhanded compliment. Like they, by design, say it is meant to be the soundtrack to your post-pandemic getting back to your life. Mm-hmm. And it the big ambient new machine is the sound. It's the current direction that Foles has moved in. And it's just those those little snacks when you make an argument like, ah, oh, see, it's good songwriting. And I go, I don't know. Something like the sound makes a compelling argument for you might be right. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing where it's like, where is that line? And I think that's probably the most interesting discussion that can come out of this entire album. Is because I think whatever the line is for me, like they've met at least met that bar for it being great songwriting because at no point in this album did I wish it was over. You know, like there, there's not a ton of albums that we listen to that I'm like, you know, by the like third or fourth time that I've listened through it that I'm like, okay, this is, it feels like a job sometimes, you know, like it's like, okay, I got (laughs) to clock in, get this listen in and, and clock out. Like this one I put on because I enjoyed listening to it. And that's the mark of like one that I'm going to go back to is if I do that is if like, oh, let me put this album on while I just drive to the store. And like, even if I only listen to a song or two, I'm like, I want to get through the whole thing as many times as I can. So I take every opportunity that I can. Um, And it just became that album this week for me um, that I just really constantly went back to. And I think I mean, if you check back in with my most listened to songs of the year when Spotify does their wrap-up thing, if any songs are going to crack my workout playlist, because those are those get the playlist isn't long and those get repeated a lot 
every single week. So I think all I think my entire top five is probably going to be from that. So it's going to be a lot of Slipknot, unfortunately. Don't judge me, folks. Uh, but if that doesn't happen, it's going to be the sound that is one of those that breaks into that top five because it's I've listened to it. I mean, probably like six or seven times on its own already just since this came out. Um, and I'm going to continue to listen to it because this is my favorite song on the album of an album that I thought was pretty damn good. So that I feel like that says something about this one. And that's this album is like a little treat. It's not sitting here demanding your attention. It's not sitting here asking you to focus. It's being provided to you. Put it on while you barbecue. Put it on while you drive. Put it on while you hang out on the beach. Put it on when you're partying. Put it on whenever the fuck. It is designed as a gift for you, for us when we listen. It's just a little nifty gifty. It's not up its own ass. And I I love the way that as we move into the last song, which is my last pick, the last one we're talking about, last song on the album, we talk about like classic album enders. And this reminded me a lot of Silk Sonic, the final song on Evening with Silk Sonic, Blast mm-hmm. Off. But they operate on two completely different ends of the spectrum. Blast Off was about like sending you off after the album experience. It's just like sending you off on a high. And, and like you kind of continue the experience long after the album is done. Wild Green just kind of folds in on itself. It's a come down. Vols mm-hmm. opts to go for the come down. Like the song just kind of dissolves so that by the end, it's just nothing. And it's like a, it's a very cool way to kind of bring us out of the experience. Like if you want to kind of be blunt about it and be like, oh, like, a, like an acid trip or rolling on Molly, like... Not to be sophomoric about it, but if you look at it from that kind of perspective, this is that moment where like your your former clarity starts to come back in and you come down. So it's kind of interesting the way that it it kind of dissolves at the end like that. Yeah, this was a great album closer. And I think that's, again, another notch in the column of like good songwriting because it seems like all of this album was like, Unless everything was a complete accident, there was a lot of intent with how this was put together and having this song be the last one on the album and having Crest of the Wave be what the fourth to the last, you know, whatever it is, like it just seems like it signifies that, okay, we've we've reached our peak emotionally here on the album. Now it's time to release it all and let it come down and it all comes down and the way that they crash it down, like what song, like the sound is a really, really good songwriting trick. So the way that they've sequenced this album, and we talk about this a lot, that album sequencing can be as important as the individual songs on that album in determining how good that album is. And I think they do a fantastic job with it on this album. And I think it helps elevate all the songs individually by placing them where they have. And this is probably, I mean, I can't think of a better spot for Wild Green than the last song on the album because it is... I don't know. It's the most like akin to a release as any of the songs on the album. And I think is the album closer. That's what you want is you want people to feel like you've resolved everything. Like you've like the same way that playing the right note at the end of the song just makes you feel like it's all, you know, that everything is good when you hit that, the, the correct note for the resolution, they've hit the correct song for the resolution on this album. 
yeah, resolve, dissolve. It's just like, boop, it blows out at the end. Mm -hmm. And and one of the other things I want to shout out, and it's honestly the last thing I really have to say about it, um, is to compliment the 80s synthwave sensibilities that were incorporated into this. I love that they didn't hammer the 80s nostalgia and and make this like an 80s song. We have had so much 80s nostalgia this year, really, but like in general throughout our lives. And it's really kind of starting to hit a point of diminishing returns, even when it's done well. So what I appreciate is that they incorporated it, but immediately built something more contemporary around it. It it was an element. It wasn't there to be celebrated. It was there to contribute. Mm -hmm. And that's just, again, like a smart, like, oh, Way to incorporate the things that we love about 80s nostalgia without cramming it down our throats like we're foie gras geese. So I appreciated it on that level. Yeah. And I I really, you know, I'm going to listen to a lot more Foles. I don't think I really have a choice because Marla loves Foles. And we're going to be going to see them in the fall sometime, I think. Um, Foles in the fall. Foles in the fall. Um, so we're going to, yeah, that's, it's. I imagine I'm going to get a heavy dose of foals from from now till then. And I'm looking forward to it, especially after this album. And even if it's just like this album that we listen to, I'll be perfectly happy with that. So I'm going to give this one a hearty stream it. I'm going to say stream it. It was a cool discovery. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. another one that I've done recently is Men at Work. I listened to Business as Usual, that first album. Yeah. They are the Australian police, my friend. I love New Wave. That's, in many ways, my genre. My preferred one to listen to, post-punk and New Wave. Favorite one to sing, R&B. But it, uh, it, like, it's always a pleasure when you find something new that just kind of sparks you. Again, it's a nice treat. It's a nice mm-hmm. little treat from Foles. So I'm going to say stream it. Yes, absolutely. And thank you, fiance of the pod, Marla for suggesting this one um next week folks next week is a big one because next week is going to be vaxus 2 window of the waking mind by coheed and cambria and we're going to be getting real deep into that one folks so look for that alex is there anything you want to tell the people about the youtube but first a brief note I'll be telling you, you'll you'll be hearing this along with everyone else. The Coheed episode, unless you want to do it with someone else, will not be next week because we are going to camp. Oh, my and goodness. And I shan't be able to record it for next time. Okay, well, so, well like a week hiatus. That's not going to kill anyone. Okay. I was going to say, yeah. you can get a fill-in. You can get Ashley. You can get Brandon, someone like that, if they well, can get the other, the, access the typical, to audio technology. The typical fill-in will also be a camp. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Our yeah. all perp, our utility player Tanner, <laughs> all world utility player Tanner. It's true. It's very yeah. true. And um, yeah, so uh, it's going to be two weeks from now. We'll come okay. back from well, a nice fine. little summer break, and then we'll do it. Yeah, that's that's going to be just fine, folks. We're going to keep you loaded up with YouTube content. Don't worry about that. So while we may not have a regular podcast episode, definitely look for those YouTube videos. So we're going to have reaction videos. We're going to have, I don't know if we have any singles videos. I think we're leaning way more towards reaction videos. They're just more fun to do. Unless we have like something that strikes us that really seems like, oh, this is a great singles video, like something we want to do a little more of a deep dive into. The reaction videos are just way more fun. Way more fun to do. Way more fun to participate in. 
Um, so tell us which ones you want to hear. Y'all have been doing a great job watching the videos and then telling us what you liked about it and making other suggestions, but we want more of that. That's how we kind of sustain ourselves here. So we recently hit 250 subscribers, which is like going from, from the beginning of the podcast to now, that doesn't seem like much, but we really didn't start hitting the YouTube until what a year ago. Really? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, we put our like regular podcast episodes up, but we didn't start doing like videos until about a year ago or maybe a little more than that. Um, and it's really the reaction videos that have really kind of pumped things up. So that's what, that's kind of why we're going to stick with those. And it's the most fun for us. I think it's the most fun for y'all. Um, so keep those coming with what you want to hear. Make sure you, if you haven't subscribed on the YouTube, make sure you do that. Um, make sure you let us know what you want to hear on the regular podcast. If there are singles videos that you want us to do a little deep dive on, tell us that, um, Alex, is there anything else that you have for the people? I just want to wish them a happy 4th of July and we will see them when we come back from our break. Yeah. Can you play something real America as the outro song for this one? I can play the, the Hulk Hogan theme song. Hell yeah. I am a real American. Hell yeah. What's it? Fight for the rights of every man? You better believe it. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> what you going to do, brother, when out on that line runs wild on your town? Fight for the rights of Until next time. Man. I am a real American. Fight for what's right. Fight for your life.